0: Welcome to the second episode in the series of our class in spring 2022 when we read Macbeth with our students in WRH 325. This episode focuses on Act One, where we'll hear from Echo, Danny, Zoe, Mia, and Chris. Hi, I'm
1: Mia. Hi, I'm Echo. Hello, my name is Danny.
2: Hi, I'm Zoe.
1: Hi, I'm Chris. And you are act one. We're
3: act one. You're act one. Yeah, so our day one lesson, we wanted to include some stuff from the pre-reading, especially since it'll be their first day of actually getting to the content of the book.
0: Because your group, you're yeah. following another group.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right?
0: So I think yeah. some people could see yeah. this and think, oh, you guys, you all are the ones who are starting.
3: No, but pre-reading's before Got it. us. hmm So, like, we wanted to talk about how the witches' prophecies and the foreshadowing and the characters, that's the new stuff for our act, but then also including some of the vocab from the pre-reading so that they're not forgetting some of those words that they were once taught. So we're going to have them also do, write their own prophecy with at least three to five words from the pre-reading vocab.
4: Yeah, we just thought it was really important yeah. to hit on that vocab because this is the first time they're going to be delving into the text as far as Shakespeare. So we didn't want them to be overwhelmed at all, and we wanted them to have that opportunity to really break down a part of the play to understand it.
3: Yeah, we even included some YouTube videos from my Macbeth on my Shakespeare.com just um, to show them like interviews with the Wishes, so they could understand the language with that as well. And that kind of goes in with the multimodal literacies that we've learned. They see the moving image, the audio, they practice the spoken and written language, then they see the space and gesture through those videos as well. So that then when they write their own prophecies, they can have this image in their head.
0: Did you come up with some example prophecies that they could be thinking of?
3: Oh, I, I was just going to have them do anything in their lives. You know, I'm gonna be their own manifestations, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. so they can manifest.
0: There you go, man. (laughs) We (laughs) are going to
5: finish our book, (laughs) yes. Maybe this is our year,
2: (laughs) and then. Following like day two, because I feel like a lot of the days for most of the groups are gonna be very like text based because it's a difficult text to dissect. Um so we wanted to do touching on a theme rather than looking at the text. So the theme of fate versus free will in Macbeth. Personally, I think that's one of the most important, but there's also like ambitions, but specifically for fate versus free will. Um it'll be a discussion day and it's just talking about what fate versus free will is. Cause I don't think at that age many kids really think about it. Most likely we'd start come in and then I'd, like, introduce the idea. I would have, like, a list of questions just in case the kids don't know where to go with it. Um, But we have a crash course of Favre vs. Free Row for, like, determinism. So I feel like that would be a good place to get them. And then talking about that, and there's going to be a ticket out the door, which would be for them to kind of predict on on what they think fate's going to mean in Macbeth as they just have read Act 1, which is a big part of it.
1: Yeah, so, and I think how the schedule works, it's it's Monday on day two, so we wanted to be a little bit lighter, as Mondays can be, you know, hard to dive into a play of Shakespeare and grind it out right away, so some of the, like, questions could be, like, what, in your life, like, what part of your identity do you believe is from free will, and what part of it is from fate, hmm. can those two coexist um, in your life or in general, and then, um, kind of have questions a little bit more geared to Macbeth um, just to kind of ease them in, get them in that mindset. As we said, the ticket out the door kind of connects. Yeah, what, what do you think of fate? What does it mean to you? And how does it connect to Macbeth?
3: Yeah, I even think it'll help them think about their prophecy. Yeah, I'm going like, to say it's going to be a prophecy mm-hmm. callback from what, day one. What do you think it's going to mean mm-hmm. in Macbeth? Yeah, what they can do with their own goals after they learn faith versus free will. And then next we have day three.
4: Yep. Yeah. Day three, we're going back to the text, unfortunately. (laughs) But we're going to really focus on Lady Macbeth's soliloquy. And we're going to kind of dive in like line by line. What does each line mean? Especially the part where she says and Sex Me, there's like a lot just within that text that you can interpret. But we kind of wanted to bring in that multimodal aspect. So we wanted to watch several interpretations because people can act this part out very differently. So we pulled up the 2010 Patrick Stewart's Macbeth Um, because that really shows how they played Lady Macbeth more as this kind of evil character who was gunning for the king. And then we wanted to use the 1979 version with Ian McClellan, because that Macbeth kind of almost seems scared of herself, and so she kind of interprets it kind of interestingly and is more kind of upset by everything. And then we also included a Royal Shakespeare Company video and it has an actual actor who plays Lady Macbeth and she kind of explains how she interprets it line by line and how she kind of portrays each line. So we thought even playing some sections from that would be cool because it's neat to hear from an actor's perspective of this is how I understand Lady Macbeth. This is what I think this line means to me and this is how I'd want to portray it with these emotions. And then she actually does act it out for interesting yeah it's really interesting and then again we're just gonna have like kind of that class discussion just not only about like how the actors are acting it but like how the film also impacts the different interpretations because like lighting and music and the background can also play into how these people are interpreting Lady Macbeth and then we'll just do like one final question at the end of the class where they will write about how they think Lady Macbeth should be portrayed so after we kind of have all these discussions like if they were the actor how would they take this and how would they perform it I think that's a really kind of neat Way for them to connect to the text, but it also helps set up act two because Lady Macbeth is such a pivotal character who really kind of drives a lot of the plot. You can even introduce our playlist to them just so they could listen to it on their free time. Uh, the Lady Macbeth
2: playlist we Give did them for a little one. bit more audio, yeah, because yeah. that would be the oral literacy aspect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also think it's, like, really important that we put visuals to the text. Because I think, like you said, it's meant like it's meant to be seen. It's a play. But yet we read it in class. You're not going to get a lot out of that. So I think it's important that we do put those visuals to it. And we do explain those little underlying things.
0: What did you think of the movie?
2: What? Which? The movie the we Apple? watched in class?
0: Yeah, the movie that we watched.
2: I loved uh, The Witches. with The Witch. I don't the know. Yeah. That's exactly Favorite what I was character. going to ask. Because from the char- very like,
0: beginning, it's like
2: cinematically and artistically portrayed so cool. I was just like, in the reflection, it was mm-hmm. like she was, it was up three. there and then there was three. The acting, I think, was the best acting out of all of them, in my opinion. Really gross and on purpose, you know? Like, it was, like, good. Like
3: or even when Macbeth was, like, looking into the reflection during, like, the second mm-hmm. time the witch came around mm-hmm. and you saw the different children mm-hmm. and, like, what kind of give you an idea of, oh, so that's what they sound like, too. Yeah.
6: That's why I enjoy that whole idea of looking back on the witches and how um, we were looking at multiple interpretations of both them, Lady Macbeth, and everything. Because again, I feel like with Shakespeare and just like any type of play, right? I think the authors kind of write these characters in a way that's like, yeah, this is them. But here's like, you know, it's open to interpretation and there's plenty of different ones. Like we see like, you know, actors will do their own little take on it. And I just feel like, especially in Shakespeare, there's a lot of complex characters that can be, a lot can be done with them and the stories that they play into. So I think looking into all those perspectives just really helps students get into it because it's not easy to digest at first.
5: Yeah, I think um, when I collected data for my dissertation <clears throat> the teacher was teaching the Crucible not Macbeth, but she did a whole activity about, you know, what do you think about when you when someone says witch and so they talked about the Wicked Witch and Hocus Pocus and then you know, Wicked had just come out so it was just like, oh well that took the Wizard of Oz and kind of turned it on its head and, and I think any time that we can have kids like take a text but broaden their understanding and contextualize something right uh because a lot of people also say like the three witches are like the the fates Mm -hmm. right like from greek mythology so like you know, did Shakespeare kind of borrow that idea from mythology, but then made them into witches in his his own time for his own culture, right? Um, because the fates are the same thing. They they were the ones who were like whispering in your ear and like you know moving all the the chess pieces of us as humans, right?
3: And I know like a lot of kids always ask themselves like, why do we even need Shakespeare? I know I've thought that once before. <laughs> Not and in you still class. became an English, English teacher. teacher. Exactly, <laughs> but it's that self-analysis, especially in Macbeth, that like you kind of could see different people in your life through different characters, too. And it's still relevant today, which kind of shows the importance of Shakespeare's writings.
2: Yeah, fate versus free will I feel like has right. a lot of... That's what I'm saying. Fate versus free will. <laughs> <and laughs> Alright, so you've said it. So what is the difference between fate and, fi- and free will? So, just as a concept? Yeah, let's do like, it. Let's yeah. go there. There's fate, whereas everything is meant to happen for a reason like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and you just kind of have to go with it and then there's free will which is you you choose your own destiny you're the reason things happen it's like domino effect that you cause and you can alter because it's your destiny um I actually think it's really important that someone can't say like like especially my mom she likes to say like everything happens for a reason but at the same time she's like you're in control of you I'm like, hmm. Those kind of counteract each other a little bit. So I think especially talking about that, especially in high school, I didn't really get to hear about it until I hit college and I took my philosophy, you know, ethics class. And so I think just introducing it, especially like, because it does fall into religion a little bit depending on where you're at. And I think for kids to discuss that amongst each other, to like hear different viewpoints I think is also important.
0: Can I crack a a window for you or break a mirror or whatever that metaphor is? Hmm. You have to because it's the hot thing now. Fixed mindset versus growth mindset Mm -hmm. is an iterative direction of Free will versus, versus free fate. fate. Right. We right.
4: have to empower our students to take control of their own futures. Mm-hmm. Ah, so we have
0: free. free will over here.
2: Yes, I'm definitely <laughs> a free <laughs> free will type of
6: gal. You're a free I'm will. a
0: Free
2: will
5: person. More of a fate guy.
6: Ah, fate. I'm gonna have to go with free will. Oh, free will.
5: I'm gonna have to go with free
2: will. Too.
5: Oh, you're. Uh, <laughs> free will. I sometimes look back and reflect and think certain things happened for a reason for the better. Right. Yeah. The fact that I that I that I moved my family to this location, and then other little puzzle pieces fell into place.
0: Never would have met me. I never would
5: have met you. I never would have gotten a diagnosis for my daughter. True. Yes. So... We were deliberate in in making you all work together as a group, an extended group experience. Um, And we sort of had our reasons from other, you know how sometimes people say, because reasons. (laughs) We we wanted to have that extended group experience. Um, But what we loved this particular semester, we've never done one piece and jigsawed it. So the day that you did the table read, we loved that energy of sharing across. So we've got two questions here. One, tell us about what you learned about collaborating to create this three-day lesson arc. And then two, how did the table read sort of impact what you went back and revised?
4: I think the collaboration was really helpful because I know like as I'm planning future lesson plans now, I was talking to someone who is an educator and she said, that's what you're going to do half the time is collab with people. I think having that experience and learning how to work with other educators is super important. But I also think it was really neat because a lot of us have the same ideas like we wanted to focus on vocab because we thought it was so important and pre-reading had already designed an exercise for it so it's cool to see that because we could instantly like work together to kind of solidify our lessons and smooth it across if that makes sense
6: and I think the opposite too like we could also get like insight on like because Shakespeare has like a lot of different ideas like we said like fate versus free will ambition therefore and just a lot of things that like we could also um, get from them to like help our future lessons that we maybe we didn't think about at the start.
3: Yeah, I definitely liked hearing the different ideas because at first I was like, Oh, is this too much of everything mixed into one? Because I know if I was a teacher I'd just have them like, read the act and we could watch the act, you know, over like do like a consistent flow throughout the entire book. But like this kinda helped me like create different ideas instead of just like the same old, same old stuff like you're used to seeing in the classroom.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the obvious answer is like act two and pre-reading is is so important to know what they're doing so we can do our job, be successful. But I also really like hearing everybody because like, for example, the post reading, what are they going to be taking away? Then how can we contribute to those takeaways in our act one?
0: That was my extended question, which is going to be, this is our pop question. <laughs> do you want to give a shout out to any other group? Because we're asking everybody this. Right? What's
2: the last act? Act five? Act
5: five. Act I, five and oh, then post-reading. I like yeah. act
2: five because their are lessons kind of mirroring ours. And ours is the first mm, act and I theirs remember. is the last. So it's like cool to have that full circle. And they were like, we were doing that. I'm like, cool. And then they would like call us over like, what do you think about this? And we're like, that works so well with ours. Like, it'd be cool to call back to like, you know, prophecies and fate and stuff. So I really... Like that, and I I love the table read. It was really the energy was nice
5: going around. Yeah, if you notice, we just sat back and we were like, I guess we don't need to be here. (laughs) Like, they're just there, but but that that is the question that I ask all the student teachers when I go in and observe if they're doing like a particularly like teacher heavy lesson. I say, Who was doing the work? Mm -hmm. and it should be the students. It just stinks when we have to sit back and we're like, But we want to suggest, and then we're like, Nope, they're they're doing it.
3: I was just gonna say another shout out to pre reading because they did send me some of their different vocab ideas (laughs) so that we can put it into our lesson as well.
5: Welcome back. I really enjoyed this episode in listening to the students talk about how they would approach Act 1. I think they were candid in their response in reflecting on the use of Shakespeare, and I think that that's where we were hoping they would land. We, we tried to push them um, to consider classic texts, canonical texts um, in today's world and what value they have. So I love that they focused in this first act in using a variety of resources to engage the students. They had my Shakespeare. They had films. Um, They introduced some of the key themes that students would be grappling with, um, which I think was really helpful as we did the table read that other groups keyed into those themes um, and so that thread could be pulled throughout this unit. Um, And of course, uh, the work that I do in focusing on females in literature, uh, I love that one of their key lessons um, focused in on Lady Macbeth. in in different iterations and sort of examining her as a character. Um, Not to say that every teacher, you know, brushes aside the female characters, but I think, I suspect that sometimes teachers focus in on the main character and not necessarily secondary characters. So when we take this classic text but focus in on what might be seen as a minor character or secondary character, um, I think that can be really powerful.
0: I like how this group picked up the baton from pre-reading, with their work in vocabulary, and took it, made it their own, and then really set up the rest of the groups for success. They clearly were really engaged with their with the act. They had read it and read it well, such that we were even able to towards the later part of the episode engage in some um, speculative conversation about the free will versus destiny, you know, versus destiny or fate, and. That's my favorite part of doing this assignment and favorite part of doing the recording of these episodes is when we can get beyond the uh, back and forth interview feel and have a genuine discussion about the literature and how they'll teach it and how it's meaningful for them.
5: Yeah, I remember leaving the recording booth that day feeling really relieved and calm about how authentic and conversational our sessions went and I think this was definitely one of the groups that I put in that category of it didn't feel choppy or stunted it just felt like a relaxed conversation thank you for listening to this episode of Notorious Pedagogues where we focused on act one Stay tuned for our next episode that will focus on Act 2 of Macbeth.